0: Welcome to Harvest. My name is Trey. I have the privilege of being the lead pastor here. And if you're um, visiting us for the first time, I just want to say welcome. Um, We are so um, happy to see you and to have you. Um, And I will be at the guest services table, literally on the other side of the wall slash curtains. You can walk through it, see through it, whatever. I'll be right over there after the service, and I would love to meet you. Um, We have been in a collection of talks um, uh, talking about hearing from God. And I remember growing up um, growing up in Sunday school and um, being in that environment. And I was always in trouble. I always got in trouble in Sunday school for what? For talking. It's what I get paid to do now and it's what I got in trouble to do back then. Makes no sense, but here we are. I remember being in Sunday school and uh, my Sunday school teacher would be like, hey, Trey, you're being a distraction. Go sit in the corner. So I would go and I would sit in the corner. And after about, you know, 15 minutes, real time, an eternity, an eight-year-old time. I, uh, he, he would be like, hey, Drake, come here. Um, when you were in the corner, what did God tell you? I just remember being like, what? Um, not to do that again. And that answer would suffice. And he'd be like, good, I'm glad God told you that you can rejoin the group. I remember just being eight years old like, what? And like so many other times, people would be like, hey, I have a, I have a, a word from God to share You, I have a word from the Lord, or God put it on my heart to tell you this. And I remember growing up being like, like, What kind of connection do you have to heaven? Because anytime somebody's like, Hey, what did God tell you today? I'm like, I don't know. Don't be an idiot. Like, He's not like audibly speaking to me. Like, do you have like Kingdom Mobile? Like, what is going on? Like, thank you for the sympathy laugh, by the way. It's a dad joke. It's Father's Day. Happy Father's Day to all the dads out there. Um, my son is uh, about to turn 18 months old, hasn't told me Happy Father's Day yet, and I'm a little petty, but it's not that big of a deal. Um, so I just remember growing up thinking like, does God actually speak? And if he does speak, how do we actually hear from him? And the, the past two weeks, what we've looked at is like, yes, God does speak. In week one, we talked about how God speaks to us through the person of Jesus. And um, that's on our, our Facebook page. You can go back and listen to week one. And last week we talked about how God's, God's, we hear God's word from his word, which is just this revolutionary thought, right, that God speaks to us through the Bible. I know some of your minds were just blown. God speaks us through the Bible? He does. And it's not just some old conservative truth. It's a timeless truth since the beginning of time that God does speak to us through his word. And then this week, I I want to talk about something um, pretty specific, and that is prayer. So today, we're going to be looking at how God speaks to us through prayer. And we have a couple more weeks left in this series. And my goal by the end of this series is that you know how to go home and say, I can hear from God daily. I can hear from God not just by going to church or turning on the radio or who does that anymore. Like if you're under 20, you don't listen to the radio. You go straight to the Bluetooth setting and you turn on your own playlist. But I can go sit in my car and hear. I don't have to like listen to a podcast. Like I can hear God whenever it's just me and his word. I can hear God and I can get away and hear from God by myself. Because I'm here to tell you that God still does speak. So when it comes to prayer... Um, I'm really excited to talk through today's message today. Let me tell you a little bit. One of my biggest, fr- let me let you in on a little bit about myself. One of my biggest frustrations in life is this. Maybe you've been there. It's when you go out to eat with somebody, you go get coffee with somebody, or they come over for a meal, or you go over to their house for a meal. Either way, it's you and somebody else, or it's your, you and your spouse and somebody else, it's you and a couple friends, whatever. And you sit there, You ask them a question and they go on like a 15 minute monologue. And I'm fine with that because I'm like, I want to be a decent human being. I'm nodding. I'm engaging. I'm not just like the nod of like, oh, wow, that's crazy. Like wrap up your story. No, I'm, I'm genuinely trying to be engaged. I'm trying to be a decent human being and I'm all in. And then the second they say, I've been talking for way too long. What do you think about this? And before, like when I do the. The inhale to speak, they, they, they continue. Because one thing that I've noticed, and then they continue to talk, and then I'm just like, okay. And then the second they give me a chance to speak, here's what happens. Within five seconds, I start to wander. Uh, look down at their phones. You can tell they've got the glaze over their eyes. They're not even paying attention to what I'm saying. And whenever I see that happen, it, it frustrates me. I'm like, I just spent the past 30 minutes trying to be a decent human being to you, And I get five seconds into my story, into my answer, and you're already out of it. What does that make me want to do? What does that make you want to do? I'll tell you what it makes me. Stop talking. Like, how do I just get through this meal? How do I just get through this hangout time? How do I just get through this time of coffee together? To get to the point where I start to speak and you're not interested. And a lot of times I'll do this. I like to play a little game. I'm like, well, you know, when it comes to marriage, the monkey, you know, eats the banana. And I'm like, oh, man, that's great. Um, yeah, because when it comes to marriage, here's actually my thoughts on marriage. I'm just like, you don't even listen to a word I just said. You don't even care. Like, that frustrates me. And maybe you've been there. Maybe that frustrates you. Maybe you're that person that's like, well, every time I go out to eat with somebody, I, they are really engaged because I'm just really a deep thinker. I have a lot of good things to say and I'm really there to teach them, not really them there to help me. So I get what you're coming from, Trey. And I'm here to tell you, you are the worst. No, I'm just kidding. I, like, I would never say that out loud. But like, honestly, like, that makes me not want to talk at all. I just want to get through our time together. And I think if we're honest, when it comes to prayer, sometimes it can feel like that between us and God. It, it, God has a lot to say. And, not, and God does not not to say that like God ignores us whenever we start to speak, whenever we start to pray. But it feels like from our end, does he even care about what I'm talking about? What I'm about to talk to him about must be so trivial and small to him. Is this prayer even working? Is this being effective? I've seen other people pray over sick people and, the, and it, they weren't healed. They ended up passing away. Does it even matter? God, are you, is, this, is this even effective? Are you even listening to what I'm saying? And because sometimes we can feel like that, It drives us to do what I, my conclusion was with the frustration at the the meal, it drives us to this of we just want to stop talking to the point where we don't even talk to God anymore. Right? We we, we can get to these moments, and I'm here to tell you that when you stop praying, your relationship with God suffers. Why? Because a relationship is not supposed to be monologue-driven, but dialogue-enriched. And I'm here to tell you that your relationship with God is not supposed to be a monologue from Him, but it is supposed to be a dialogue between the two of you. We need to pray. So why don't we pray? For the reasons I just explained, but also maybe you're in the room and you feel like, I just don't know how to pray. I love calling on random people. and like, I grew up doing student ministry, and I loved looking at a sixth grader and being like, Michael, why don't you pray for us? The panic that comes on their face of, uh... No, like, you don't want to talk to God, the one who saved you? No, like, okay, like, I got it, I'm with you. I I just, I love the, like, just, you can tell when somebody prays and when somebody doesn't pray, like, maybe you just don't know how to pray, and that's okay, maybe you get bored while praying, maybe, maybe that's, that's you, of you go, hey God, I just, I thank you for today, and I just... I really want to thank you for my husband. Oh my gosh, I didn't text him back. Hold on one second. And you just text, and the next thing you know, you're out of sorts, and you just get bored or, or whatever. Or maybe you think you're bothering God with the small things, or maybe you're thinking, I'm not sure my prayers make a difference. There's a, resherp, uh, resherp. There's a research group called Barna, and they did a, um, a study. Um, they polled a couple thousands Americans, and um, what they what they did is they did this study on prayer. And I just want to read some stats to you that I found pretty interesting from this research group. They said that 79% of Americans have prayed at least once in the past 3 months. 82% of these people pray silently to themselves. 13% pray audibly to themselves. And 2% pray audibly with a group or someone else. And then 2% pray collectively with the church. So the majority of prayers are not out loud. The majority of prayers are not with each other. The majority of prayers are not even you praying in a church setting. The majority of prayers prayed in America today are just the internal thought process prayers that we pray to ourselves. Another stat is 71% of boomers pray. 53% 53% of millennials pray. And that number will continue to decrease with Gen Z and generations after us. 71% of boomers pray. It was higher um, in the generation above them. 53% of millennials pray. And that, that number, will, it will be under 50% for Gen Z. Less than half of a generation will pray to God at all. Prayer, which is highlighted often in the Bible, is becoming a dying practice in American Christians with each generation. The Bible, which talks about prayer, which emphasizes prayer. We see how many times did Jesus, God in the flesh, get away to go pray. It was modeled for us. It is taught to us. And yet, we get to the point of when we have this internal dialogue within ourselves or monologue within ourselves, does this really matter? And if anything taught us last week, they we have ultimate authority called God's word and the ultimate authority says, yes, it matters. It matters. So I wanna answer three questions this morning. Number one, what is prayer? Number two, um, how do I pray? And number three, why do we pray? First question I wanna answer, what is prayer? Prayer is simply talking to God. No, Trey, it's got to be more than that. No, it's not. Prayer is simply talking to God. Psalms 5 verses 1 through 3, David wrote this, and this is what David has to say. Listen to my words, Lord. Consider my lament. Hear my cry for help, my King and my God, for to you I pray. In the morning, Lord, you hear my voice. In the morning, I lay my request before you and wait expectantly. Prayer is simply talking to God. It's when I get up, I go to God. It's As I go throughout my day, I'm, I'm talking to God. Prayer is not meditation, nor is it passive reflection. It is a direct conversation to God. There are times for meditation, right? God's Word says to meditate on my Word day and night. There are times for reflection where we read something or we hear about something, we reflect on it, we look back to move forward. I get it. But when it comes to prayer, it is when you are engaged with God in conversation, it is not passive, it is active. Sometimes I think we, we, we think prayer is this ritual whenever it's not. There are no candles required. There's no no closet required. Shoes don't need to be taken off, right? Maybe you've been in a church where the worship leader took off their shoes and like they're standing on holy ground. I get the sentiment, but also your feet stink and it's weird. Like I get it. There is no ritual required to go to God in prayer. Certain big theological vocab words don't need to be mentioned. It's just simply talking to God. God. So what is prayer? It's just simply talking to God. How can we talk to God? I'm not at my second question yet. Like, how do I pray? But like, how do I actually like how is this possible? I, I think we lose sight of the magnitude of how we can talk to God. We just talked about it and what a beautiful name it is that God tore the veil, and you're like, what does that mean? It was like, was there a bride and like they tore the, the veil and now the wedding day is ruined? Like, how, like, what is going on right here? In the Old Testament, there was customs and traditions when it came to the Israelites, God's chosen nation, to God. And, in, and in, in this day, normal people did not have access to God. They would have to go to the temple, tell a priest what their desires were, what their prayers were, what, what they needed, and a priest would look at their sacrifice say, hey, your sacrifice is good, it is pleasing to God according to His rules and His rituals, And then the head priest would go and and there would be this huge veil, this this really tall and wide and thick curtain. Not a see-through curtain, but like a thick curtain. And a priest would tie a bell around his ankle and a rope around his ankle. And he would walk into what was considered the Holy of Holies. And when he would walk into through this veil there was this there was this seat called the mercy seat the throne where God himself would dwell not 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 in physical form like Jesus but his presence would be and if the priest did anything he wasn't supposed to be or do while he was in the holy of holies while he was behind the veil the reason they would have that bell on his feet is because if he did anything he wasn't supposed to do he would fall dead on the spot and so if the bell stopped ringing It means the priest has fallen dead and they would drag him out by the rope attached to his ankle. It's wild to think about, but that was the custom and that was the tradition. The priest would go in on behalf of the people and bring all the prayer requests, bring all the prayers, bring everything to the throne room. And on behalf of everybody, pray for the nation of Israel to God. And when we sing about the veil was torn, when we sing about how, how God has, how Jesus was the ultimate sacrifice, this is what we are saying. That when Jesus died on the cross and he says, it is finished, what did he say? It was finished. Not that we were headed destined for hell, but now we have access and an re- opportunity to have a relationship with God. And so now the veil is torn. The holies of holies is open. The great throne room is now available for all of humanity. So now you and I don't have to go to a priest and say, hey, can you pray for me? Can you, you seem to have a better connection with the big man upstairs. Can you pray for me? Can you do this? All? I'm here to tell you, if you come up to me and ask me, can you pray for me? I'd be more than happy to. But here's what I'm also going to encourage you to do. You have just as much access and face time with God as I do. There is no greater special connection between me and God just because of my profession than between you and God. That God says, come boldly to me. This is what Hebrews teaching. Come boldly to the throne of grace that you may receive help and mercy in times of trouble. Who is that written to? Only to pastors? Only to super Christians? No. Do you have to have a Greek tattoo on your arm? No. This is to anybody and everybody. Well, Trey, I... I went to my grandma's church. I haven't been to church in so long. There's no way God wants to hear from me. Oh, he does. What makes you want to know that God wants to hear from me? The fact that the cross is empty and the tomb is empty and the veil is torn should let you know that he made a way for you to go to him. And he wants you to go to him. That's how we can pray. The veil is torn. The holy of holies is open. The throne room is there. And all you have to do is walk up and engage him. And not be passive, but be active. And know that you're not just talking to an empty sky. But you're talking to the King of kings and the Lord of lords who is alive and who is on the throne of heaven. So what is prayer? Prayer is just simply talking to God. The second question I want to answer is, how do I pray? Right? This is a question that is that is... I was asked quite often, not just by students, but by, by adults, by parents, like, but how do I actually pray? I remember growing up, and um, my, one of my best friends, his name was also Trey, and his dad ended up being my basketball coach from 7th through 12th grade, and loved the guy. And I remember there was one time I was praying in, like, 5th grade Sunday school, and he was also our Sunday school teacher. Couldn't get away from the guy. No, I'm just kidding. Loved him to death. I, I, I started off my prayer with this, dear Jesus and he stopped me and he goes, hey, that's not how we start off with prayer. We start off prayer with dear Heavenly Father. Because that's the Lord's prayer. And that's what we do. And I'm just like, okay. Like, so I was like, oh, that's how we pray. And then, you know, you start to mature in your faith and you start to read Scripture for yourself. And I'm looking at some of these prayers and I, there's this passage I want to read to you guys. And so how do we pray? First and foremost, we pray authentically. This is how we pray. We pray authentically in a little bit of context of the book of Exodus chapter 5. Uh, this guy named Moses, maybe you've heard of him, maybe you haven't, it's okay. The people of Israel were enslaved in Egypt. The Egyptians were uh, oppressing and, and ha- were, had captured the Israelites. And the Israelites were literally slaves to the nation of Egypt. And so God sends Moses as a messenger and he walks into the courts of Pharaoh with his brother Aaron, both Jews, both Israelites. They walk in and they say, hey, Pharaoh, the God of Israel has a message for you. Let my people go. Pharaoh's spine stiffens up a little bit. He goes, no, I am the sun, the moon and the stars. I am God. And Moses and Aaron go, you can do what you want, but this is the message of the Lord. Let my people go. So Pharaoh gets upset, and this is what he does. He, he tells the Egyptians, the, the Egyptian slave masters, take all the resources away from the Israelites that they have been using to make bricks. Take all their resources away, all of it away, and then tell them to double the amount of bricks they make daily, and if they fail to do so, they will be punished. You're like, that doesn't add up. They can't make, that's exactly what happened. Pharaoh set them up for failure, and this is where we land in Exodus 5, 22 and 23. This is Moses's prayer. He sees the nation of Israel. He sees their suffering. He sees they're being punished for him just being a messenger, and Pharaoh is blaming Moses for this, and so the, the nation of Israel, they're getting upset at Moses. Moses is not popular walking through the streets. Can you imagine? Let my people go. No, I won't. Take all the resources away where they can't make bricks. Make them make double. And if they can't, punish them. And here comes Moses going, hello. Hello. How are you? Hey, jerk. Like, that's not obviously what they said. I would have customized. I'm just kidding. No, I wouldn't. There's grace. Stop. Okay. So they're probably throwing, you know, like stuff at him. He's probably not the most popular person in town. And we get to this prayer in Exodus chapter 5, verses 22 and 23. And this is Moses And he says this, Moses returned to the Lord and said, why, Lord? That doesn't say, dear Heavenly Father. Why, Lord? Why have you brought trouble on this people? Is this why you sent me? Ever since I went to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he has brought trouble on this people, and you have not rescued your people at all. There is no... I beseech thee. And I lament myself. I pour ashes on my head and rent my clothes. God, would you hear your humble servant? Like, there was a, he started off with a very go, hey, why? Why is this happening? Moses started out and he was authentic, respectfully authentic. He didn't come at Jesus hard, like cursing out his name. He just says, why is this happening? Look at how candid Moses is with God. And I'm here to tell you it is not an unbiblical prayer to start off with, Why God? Why? This happened, that happened, why? I am not enjoying this chapter of my life. Why is this happening? To bottle it in is not biblical, to be authentic with Jesus is. There is something about an authentic prayer. That is powerful. I'm here to tell you that Jesus is authentic with us, right? We live in a broken world. He tells us that very cl- like plainly. Like, and the reason it's broken is because you live in it. He doesn't pull any punches. He's not like, hey, sweetie, you're perfect. And all these other people around you, oh, they're toxic. You, you just need to protect yourself, isolate yourself. Like, don't. He does not say that. He goes, yeah, they're they're broken and they're toxic, and I'm here to tell you that until you reach heaven, so are you. I don't like that. But he's authentic with it. He's authentic with the fact of like, hey, you have sinned, and because you have sinned, you are destined to eternity separated from me in a place called hell. Well, I don't like that, but it's authentic nonetheless. It's authentic to the fact that he said, and you need a Savior, and I am that Savior. He's authentic to the fact that he said, you could not reach me, so I came to you. He's authentic with his message towards us. I am your Savior. He's authentic with his message as well of he loves you. He is authentic. He never pulls any punches. He is just real and honest and truth and gracious to us. And He wants us to be the same with Him. Be authentic in your prayers. Number two, authentically. Number two, vulnerably. Vulnerably. Philippians 4.6 says this, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. This line of thinking of, and I've heard it so many times of, I guess all we can do is pray. And if you have been there, I get it, especially if you don't have a proper view of prayer. But with a proper view of prayer, that line of thinking is so unbiblical. I guess all we can do is pray. That should be our first resort. Because there are a lot of things on this planet and on this earth that man can't do. But there is nothing that God can't do. And so why would I not go into the person that can do anything about everything first? Be vulnerable with your prayers. Are you fearful about the uncertainty of the circumstances in our world today? Go to God. Are you fearful or anxious about the health of your marriage today? Go to God. In your home, in your life, go to God. And let me encourage you with this. This is going to be revolutionary. Maybe, maybe not. Don't go to God with what you think God wants you to talk about. Go to God with actually what you want to talk about. Don't go to God with with thinking like God probably wants me to come to him and to talk about the things that I should be struggling with. Like God, forgive me for tithing too much. God, forgive me for helping out that person on the side of the road too much, for harming the financial stability of my family by just being so generous to the lost and the broken. God, forgive me. Right? Like go to God with actually what you're dealing with. Talk to Him about what you're actually talking, like walking through. God, I've been married for 20 years. I'm still struggling with with pornography, and and I'm fed up with it. Go to God with that. Don't keep that inside and go to God with what you feel like a 50 year old should be struggling with. Go to God about what a 50 year old is actually struggling with struggling with. Be vulnerable in your prayers as a pastor there are things I feel like I should be struggling with but there are things I shouldn't be struggling with but that I am struggling with and like the apostle Paul the person who wrote the majority of the New Testament he says the things I I don't want to do I do and the things I do want to do I don't do and this is the life of a human go to God and be vulnerable because I'm here to tell you he already knows mind blown mind blown He knows your thoughts. What? He does. He knows your heart. And he's with you. He's presently with you. That's creepy. He loves you. He knows you. And he wants you to be vulnerable with him. As a parent, whenever your kid does something wrong, don't you want your kid to be vulnerable? Don't you, you, you would hate it if you felt like your kid needed to lie to you. You want your kid to be open and honest about things. Even in the faults, you want them to be open. And not that you, so you can punish them, but you can help them. And there are times where you already know the story. You know who ate your cookies from the pantry. You know it was the five-year-old, right? How do you know it was the five-year-old? It was their face faces choclified? Like, you know... And you just want them to tell you, right? Is God not the same? Is God not even a better dad? Is God not even a better father? Hey, I know. I just want you to tell me. So that way you know that I know. So that way there is nothing hidden between the two of us. Be vulnerable. Pray about what matters to you. Sometimes it's big. Sometimes it's small. Sometimes it's personal. Sometimes it's global. God cares. Pray about what matters to you. If it's important to you, then it's important to God because you are important to God. Authentically, vulnerably. Number three, scripturally. Pray scripture. This has been one of the most revolutionary truths in my prayer life was when I pray scripture or when I read scripture and it impacts me, and it's powerful, I will pause and I will pray that scripture. Like we just read Philippians 4, 6. Here's how I would pray. It It says, number one, it says do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving present your request to God. God, you call me not to be anxious, but yet I am. So help me put my trust and faith in you alone, not in government, not in myself, not in my family. Help me to have my sole trust in you because every situation I'm going to be bringing to you and I'm going to be thankful that I can bring it to you and I know that you care because you command me and ask me to present everything to you so God I'm giving you my anxiety I'm giving you all of this thank you that you care enough to do this that prayer did not come from just a whim or just because I'm creative that prayer is me just breaking down and reading and praying Philippians 4 6 And if God's word is powerful and transformative, why would I not pray it anyway? What truer and purer request could one ask God than his own words? Pray scripture. Number four, we read authentically, vulnerably, scripturally. Number four, continuously. Continuously. This is how we pray. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18, it says this, Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances for this is God's will for you. It's not often you read verbatim that this is God's will for your life. That is a question that is often asked amongst young people, or even, maybe even older people, but Jesus followers nonetheless often ask this question, what is your will for my life? Rejoice always. That puts a damper on what I've been sharing on Facebook re- recently, right? This world's going to hell in a handbasket. Nothing we can do about it. It's all the young people and it's all the drums and you know their tattoos, their Satan stickers. like, okay, I know you're not like that, but there are people out there like that, right? High gas prices, Lord, come quickly. Things are worse than ever. Oh, I know 2,000 years ago, Christians were being put on, on posts and being lit on fire to ignite the garden of the Roman emperor at the time. But $5 for gas? We are oppressed! Right? Things are worse than ever. Public schools, which are not based on Christian values and morals. They're not praying to the Christian flag anymore. <gasps> this is it. Things are worse than ever. Starbucks, a non-Christian company, from the get-go, has not been a Christian company. Didn't put Merry Christmas on their, on their Christmas cups. This country is going to hell in a handbasket. Things are worse, like... Rejoice always. Meaning, no matter what this world looks like, I know that my hope is not here, and I rejoice in the fact that my hope is not here. Because if my hope was here, life would be hopeless. But I rejoice in the fact that my hope is in heaven, reigning is loving is gracious and is sovereign. Is like Paul the apostle says, to live is Christ. Meaning, to live is a gift, and to die is gain. Meaning. When he wrote that, he was in prison on the road to being executed. He's like, if you live, I'm going to preach Jesus. And if you kill me, I'm with Jesus. I win. Do your worst. Because we win. Rejoice always. And have that constant mindset will bring you such joy. I'm not talking about good circumstances. I'm talking about internal joy that is, that is unfathomable to the rest of the world. Rejoice always. Gas may go up a dollar tomorrow, but here's what I do know. That my God is still on the throne. That no matter what this life looks like, I am headed towards heaven. And that I have the greatest message that could change anybody's life. And how great is that? And I'm going to rejoice in that. I'm going to thank God for that. Pray continually. Prayer is not reserved for the closet for the church service, for the bedside, for the hospitals. It's not even reserved for the heads bowed and the eyes closed moment. It's for the everyday troubles, struggles, wins and losses, miracles and messes. Why? Because it's a conversation with Jesus. Talk to Jesus as often as you, as your friend, your family, your spouse, talk to him, he cares. He is not tired of hearing from you. He loves you and is invested. He is leaning and not checking his phone, not looking around at what other people are doing or saying or the fajitas that walked by that you wish you would have ordered. He's not too busy with somebody across the planet for you. He's big enough, powerful enough, loving enough, and he wants to hear a mother's hurting heart about little Johnny getting picked on at school. He wants for you to tell him, he's eagerly waiting for you to tell him about how happy and grateful you are that all the bills got paid this month. He's eagerly leaning in, saying, what happened today? What are you walking through today? Oh, life is hard right now. I, I know, I get it. Life is hard for me. God's word says we do not have a high priest who is unable to relate to us in our struggles. He was homeless. He was broke. He was hungry. He was all these things. He was lonely. He was betrayed. He was hurt. He struggled. But he just didn't survive. He thrived. And he's looking at you and goes, and I know a way that no matter what you go through, that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Pray to me constantly. I wanna talk to you. If you ever see me in publics talking to myself, I'm not crazy, I promise you. I've just learned I'm gonna pray no matter where I am about whatever God puts on my heart or whatever I'm thinking or walking through right now. Pray continuously. Talk to God. That's how we should pray authentically, vulnerably, scripturally, and continuously why should I pray I know what prayer is I know how I should pray now I know like the functions I know the the fundamentals the mechanics but why what is the power behind prayer like what is the purpose behind prayer why should I pray because prayer changes us not God prayer changes you it doesn't change God God is the same yesterday today and forever you however can change and prayer changes us how does it change us why should I pray Because prayer makes us aware of his presence. And what will happen is you will get this sense and confidence that God is near and present. Not that God wasn't near and present before. But by hearing yourself talk to God about what matters and that he's understanding that he sticks closer than a brother. Now you are aware of the nearness of God and that he is our present help in time of need. You become aware of his presence Whenever you talk to God, you're like, hey, God, you're probably right here, aren't you? The notion that I left God when I was a teenager and now I'm in my 20s, 30s, or 40s again, now I gotta go refine God. I'm here to tell you that that is unbiblical because God's word promises he will never leave us nor forsake us. And so you didn't leave God's presence, you just quit acknowledging his presence, but he has been with you, pursuing you, loving you every single step of the way. So talk to God, and when you talk to God, you become aware of His presence. Number two, prayer reminds us who is Lord and who is not. It takes humility and submission for people to come to the point of realization, we can't do this on our own. You can't do this by yourself. I can't do this by myself as a collective group. Yes, there is strength in numbers, but ultimately, we still, we can't do this by ourselves. We need a supernatural power, a supernatural presence. We need the Holy Spirit. We need God to do things that only he can do. And it reminds us who is God and who is not. You are not God. I am not God. Anything that walks this earth is not God. There's only one. And he was the God of Israel. And he is God today. He is the God that spoke everything into existence. By the the breath from his lungs, a hundred billion galaxies just popped into existence. By the breath of his lungs, humanity came to life. By the very words of his mouth, it is finished. All of humanity now has an opportunity to be in a relationship and talk to God. And you think you're God. We are not. There is only one God and his name is Jesus. Prayer reminds us constantly who is God and who is not. It reminds us this whole life, who it revolves around, and it's not us. Since the beginning of time, You have not been around since the beginning of time, therefore Adam and Eve's lives did not revolve around you. You were not around during Moses' time, and therefore Moses' life did not revolve around you. You were not alive during your great-great-great-great-grandparents' life, and even your own family generations before you did not revolve around you. And generations from now, their lives will not revolve around you. This whole planet, this whole uh, humanity, the whole human race revolves around one thing, and that is Jesus. It is his death, burial, and resurrection, and the fact that he is on the throne and he is God. Prayer reminds us of that. Prayer creates a space for the Holy Spirit to remind us of truth. You know what a really biblical prayer is? It's not starting out with going, Dear Heavenly Father, that is a biblical prayer. It's not the only biblical prayer, though. Dear Jesus, great biblical prayer. But another Great biblical prayer. Holy Spirit, the one who imparts peace, the one who has adopted us, the one who lives within us right now, the one who who has stamped our soul of approval with Jesus' record. Hey, Holy Spirit, I need peace right now, and I know you give peace. Can you please give me peace because I can't do this anymore. Holy Spirit... I know what I'm doing is not right and I just I don't remember what the what truth is. Can you remind me of truth? And the Holy Spirit reminds you. It's his job. Jesus in the book of John looked at his disciples and goes, "Hey, one day I'm going to leave, but I'm sending someone greater." Greater. Who's greater than Jesus? He was talking about the Holy Spirit. Pray to the Holy Spirit. Say, "Holy Spirit, I need to remember truth. Holy Spirit, I need peace. Holy Spirit, I need joy." Holy Spirit, I need this. And watch the Holy Spirit impart it on your life. And finally, praying for others creates a love and desire for others to experience miracles. It's really hard to be mad and bitter towards somebody you pray for constantly, isn't it? If there are people in your life who just frustrate you, broken relationships, my challenge to you is not to get even my challenge to you is to pray for them to start with. And let that prayer soften your heart. And also, how encouraging is it to hear that somebody is going to the King of Kings and mentioning your name in his ear? How encouraging would it be if I were to walk up and say, hey, Tyler, been praying for you. I went to the throne room of heaven. I went to the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the one who spoke everything into existence, and I told him about what you're walking through. I know you're praying for it, but I want to let you know that there's somebody else who is whispering into the the Savior's ear that they need help. You don't go, why would you do that? How dare you, right? How could you? You go, that's encouraging to hear. Thank you, because I need it. Real quick story, I was a barista for three years of my life. And there was this person, he was um, outspokenly homosexual and um, didn't believe in God or anything like that. And we we're just, me and my buddy, we were just like, well, let's just love on this guy. And so the next time he pulled through the drive through I was like, hey man, how can I pray for you? He goes, Well, I don't believe in God. And I was like, that's not what I asked how can I pray for you? He goes, well, now that you mention it, my mom's in the hospital with cancer and I don't know, I don't, I don't know what to do. was so, like, man, let me pray for you right now. I prayed for him and the next time he came through, I was like, hey man, praying for your mom, how is she? And he broke down in tears, he goes, thank you. doesn't believe in God. doesn't believe in Jesus. In fact, he hates the church, he hates Jesus, he hates the thought of God. But the fact that somebody was praying for him, man brought him to tears who are you praying for who needs to be praying for you if you understood the power of prayer you would never stop praying if we understood the magnitude and the power of prayer we would never cease to pray there's a story in the, old, in, the, in the New Testament really quickly of four friends and their friend was lame and he had been lame his whole life, has never stepped a day in his life, has never been able to walk and they needed to get him to Jesus. And so the crowd was so big where Jesus was teaching, they're like, let's go to the roof. Why? I don't know. Which leads me to believe they were probably 14 or 15 years old because that's only people that think like that. So they get to the roof. Like, let's cut a hole in the roof. They cut a hole in the roof and they lower their friend down. And Jesus' response is he's not looking at the broken man and going, your faith will heal you today. He looked up at the four friends, and you can find this in Matthew, he looked at the four friends and he goes, because of your faith, I'm going to heal this man today. Our prayers and our faith, biblically, we don't change God, but we move the heart of God to move the hearts of others. Our prayer for others as an intercessor can move the heart of God to do miracles on the lives of others. The fact that somebody could go, hey, listen, so and so, they are in desperate need of a miracle, and God goes, I know. I know. And when enough people go, God, would you do this? If it's his will, I'll go, you know what, I will. But if it's not his will, he goes, I hear you, and I love you and I need you to trust me, I need you to trust me, but continue to pray nonetheless, continue to intercede nonetheless, continue to rejoice always nonetheless, continue to pray continuously nonetheless, continue to go to God in our most lowest moments and go, why God, continue to do that. Continue to be vulnerable and authentic, to continue to remind yourself of Scripture. Continue to pray, because when you pray, you realize He's not far from you. He's been by you and with you and in you this whole entire time. Pray, pray, pray. Continue to pray. And what is prayer? Prayer is just simply talking to God. When is the last time you just simply talked to God? When is the last time, not the fake you, coming with fake problems that you think God wants you to be dealing with, but the real you with the real struggles, the real backslider, the real hidden sin that not even your spouse knows about, when is the last time that you came before God and just said, here I am? you know what you won't find from god is how dare you come to me dirty and broken and filthy it won't be it's been a long time i don't want anything to do with you anymore you know what you're gonna find from god god's gonna put his arm around you he's gonna say i love you i've missed you so much oh i know you're filthy but here's my robe, like the prodigal son. Here's my rings. Here's my shoes. Here's my... What do you need? God, I need peace. I have it. I need joy. Oh, I have it. God, I need a miracle. Oh, I make miracles out of messes. This is what I do. God, you feel so distant from me. Where are you? I'm right here. And I love you. And I'm with you. And I'm for you. I'm not against you. I am your great champion. I am your great advocate. I am your king. I am your lord. But even more than that, I am your friend. I am your, I'm a friend that sticks closer than a brother. I am the perfect father. And maybe you have a distorted view of what an earthly father looks like. I'm here to tell you, do not put that image on God the Father because that is the farthest thing from the truth. When was the last time you just simply talked to God? This morning, we're gonna close a little differently and the worship team's gonna come and lead, but we're not gonna stand. Just wherever you are, however you came in here this morning, whatever God is speaking to you right now, We're gonna give you just about a minute or two to just pray. And as they sing, you can, one of the greatest things I love about worship music is that it puts words to emotions. It put true words to emotions and feelings and thoughts that we don't always know how to articulate. And so if you find yourself praying the song, pray the song. If you just need to just lament and just open yourself up and just pray, do that. You do whatever you need to do, but all I ask is that in this moment, for the next couple of minutes, just simply talk to God. Because that's all that prayer is. Whatever you need to talk to God about, this is your time. God, we love you and we're thankful for you. Thank you for just your presence, your grace, your nearness, your friendship, God, your love, your goodness, the hope that not only that you provide, but that you are. God, like this song speaks about Forgive us for the performance that we've made Christianity. Forgive us for the rut, because what is a rut? A rut is a grave with the ends kicked out of our lives. Jesus, you give life and life abundantly, and we believe that, we cling to that, we claim that, and we follow you, believing and expecting to experience that. relationship is not a monologue from you it's a dialogue between us so as we leave here I pray that this moment of prayer is not a once a week thing but it is a daily hourly minute by minute thing that when something crosses our mind or you put something on our heart it's not wait till I get home and put the kids to bed or whatever it's uh, right here in this moment I'm going to take 15 seconds and just pray It doesn't have to be out loud. It doesn't have to be fancy. It doesn't have to be big theological words. It's just simply talking to you. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would remind us to pray this week, to talk to God. Thank you for your word. Thank you for this grace. Thank you for this church. In Jesus' name, amen. Awesome, amen. Thank you guys so much for coming this week. Um, We are going to continue our series next week. We love you. We are always praying for you. If there's anything specific we can pray about, find me, find one of the leaders here um, at the church, and we would love to just pray with you. Um, But if you are new here, I'll be right on the other side of the curtain. I'd love to meet you and talk to you. Love you. Happy Father's Day. Fathers, go do nothing for the rest of the day because that's the perfect Father's Day. Enjoy your week. Love you guys. We'll see you all next week. (laughs)